You are listening to the Post-Atomic Horror Podcast with Ron Algar-Watt and Matt Robotham. Episode 165, covering Paradise and Shadowplay with Mark Bosco. Hello, friends. We're back, and our friend Bob is here this time. Hello. How's it going? I, it is going well, actually. Thank you. Good. Excellent. Thank you for having me on. Well, thank you for coming on. It's always a delight it's... to be a guest on your show. And Al, thank you for also coming on. Yes, Matt. Thank you for your continued co-hostery. You're welcome. And <laughs> listeners, thank you as well. Thank you. What are we doing? And a big thank you to Star Trek for existing. <laughs> yes, thank you, Star Trek. <laughs> and thank you to Audacity for oh, providing us with something we can record ourselves on. <laughs> Well, if you're going to thank Audacity, you better thank Skype as well. Uh, yes. I suppose I should. Thank you, Skype. Oh, well, that and means that we have to thank internet. Microsoft. Yeah, and Apple. <laughs> mm-hmm. For providing the iPad that is in my hand from which I read my notes. Excellent. And, of course, God. <laughs> this got out of hand. <laughs> this episode, uh, I'd like to dedicate this episode to God. <laughs> Seriously, though, thank thank at least half of the people we just named. Yep. Yep. <clears throat> half of them were sarcastic. We're not going to tell you which half. No. You'll have to figure it out on your own. Somebody somebody asked me uh, the other day, uh, wh- which was the next-gen episode where Worf couldn't remember Wesley's name? <laughs> <laughs> and I had to tell them, well, that was just one of those stupid things we made up. That didn't actually happen. <laughs> He's like, oh, I guess I probably shouldn't make bets on Star Trek based on what you guys say that. <laughs> no, I would not recommend that at all. That is that is a bad move. Yeah. Well, Bob just finished putting the uh, final touches on our, our episode guide. Thank you for that. We're going to oh, go yeah. into the thank you mode again. Thank you. Absolutely. For that. <laughs> so you're, you're uh, intimately familiar with all the lies that we make about Star Trek. Oh, couple very questions much. Oh, a couple was, of the questions he had. It was interesting like, seeing the same lies crop up. Over right. and over. He's like, wait a minute. Did Dr. Pulaski really make out with uh, with Worf? That doesn't sound right. Did you Did you mean to put this? <laughs> he did, and then he forgot Wesley's name. Right. <laughs> Is this uh, episode summary supposed to be just a series of question marks and no actual text? <laughs> well, yes, that was the uh, that was the review for Eye of the Beholder. <laughs> yep. Oh, yeah. What the hell happened in that episode? <laughs> I have no idea. <laughs> So you you chose uh, the, this week Paradise and Shadowplay. Any particular reason? Any, or was it just one of those? Nope. Uh, hey, there's a nope. gap. I I I came in late, and that was what was left. Ah. <laughs> it's always nice when you end up with the dregs of the season. I got Brian... I got the donuts with the horrible sprinkles on top. <laughs> oh man, I love those donuts. <laughs> I hate donuts. <laughs> I didn't used to hate donuts. This is the whole thing with the other show. But, uh, it's because they're cake, isn't it? Like, yes, yes. I got a whole answer. There are circle thing. cake. Yes. Strange. If there's two things you hate, it's cake and circles. Strange things are afoot at the circle cake. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Why don't we talk about what we saw? Because that's what we do. We see things and then we tell you about them. That sounds like a good plan. So, Bob, why don't you tell us about Paradise? All right. So... Ben and Miles foolishly beam down to a planet that they know has severe communications interference, and then they aren't able to call their ship back to beam up. Shocker! Once there, they meet up with a colony of actual Luddites. Their leader, Alexis Ludd, gives them tracts and pamphlets about how great paper books are and how technology totally sucks. She enlists them to work in the fields, beating dirt with a stick, polishing rocks, and singing soul songs of the 70s while they wait to be rescued. O'Brien secretly works on fixing his tricorder, but Alexis finds out and reveals herself to be a crazy cult leader. Surprise! And tries to get... Oh. <clears throat> and tries to hotbox Ben and Miles into submission, which sounds like a sexual act, but sadly, it is not. <laughs> Eventually, Miles solves the mystery of the electronic suppressing field, and Nerys and Jadzia come to save them. All of them! Except Alexis has brainwashed them all so well that they decide to stay. Except for the two little kids who are really sad that the nice sane people had to go away. Uh, insert closing joke here. Uh, tri- the triple, the trouble the, with triples? There'll be no triple at all. 
Mexican Scotty. There you go. Oi to doy. That should have been that should have been your last line. Remember Mexican Scotty, everyone. <laughs> oh no. I'm, I'm, I'm impressed. I'm impressed that you're on a first name basis with all these guys. <laughs> or last name in Kira's case. Alexis oh, yeah. appeared to be on a first name basis with everyone, so I thought well, I'd the, uh, follow the pattern. That makes it personal. When you're a, when you're a cult leader, you have to uh, you have to make it personal. You have to you know really get inside their heads. Mm. Oh, totally. I mean, I I wouldn't know about that my own self, but uh... <laughs> when you led that cult in the South Pacific back in the 1940s. Yeah, I I, uh, I I undid the brainwashing, and I don't remember anything about it now. Kept everyone on your boat. <laughs> right. What? For years at a time. Slaving I, away in the galleys. I'm, you, you're losing me with this one. Is that I'm like, an L. Ron is... Hubbard reference? <laughs> yes. Yeah, that's fantastic. Was that the 40s? I thought that was the 60s. Oh, he, I don't he, know. He one proclaimed himself Commodore of the High Seas. I know that. <laughs> <laughs> that's a real thing. Go go read about L. Ron Hubbard. It's, it's insane. Right. Uh, or watch uh, is... Master. Master and Commander? No. What, what's that movie that they made about it? Battlefield Earth? Yeah. Battlefield Earth. <laughs> I'm always confusing those two. Master and Commander and Battlefield Earth. They're so similar. <laughs> Man, I, I tried to watch Battlefield Earth with Rift Tracks, and I couldn't even get through it with that. Yeah, that's a bad sign. Oh, it, yeah. was, it was dreadful. No. Uh, but of course, Scientology isn't a cult. They're a, they're a valid religion. Oh, yes. We're, we're going to get sued. <clears throat> yes. Tom Cruise's lawyer is knocking on my door right now. <laughs> He's going to put me in the box. In the He's going to put box. you in the closet. The hot box. But you said it wasn't a sex act. Oh. What you see is what you get with the hot box. With the hot box. Rated R. <laughs> <laughs> so, Bob, what was your good thing? Uh, My good thing was that actually alexis as the what well, whatever the actress's name but alexis the luddite cult leader she's a hateful conniving manipulative bitch but i thought she was really convincing at it mm-hmm. i, I she did agree a with really that. good job of pissing me off I, <laughs> yeah watching this i was like okay here's where matt's gonna yell here's where matt's gonna throw something yep. <laughs> and then going... i can't throw stuff anymore because now i have a thin uh, monitor oh right if i throw socks at it it'll fall over ah, that's oh dear good. It's the only reason I miss my old durable TV. The, the big, the big, uh, you know, five foot deep tube monitor that you had. Yeah, you're, you're gonna need one of those again when we get to Voyager. I feel. Like, oh my god! Yeah. Put some heavy padding around it or something, just so you can wail on it. Mm. I'm gonna get it a Nerf TV sock. Yeah, there you go. But the, it was. Uh, I thought she was, she was really convincing as as the cult leader. I will agree. She had some acting choices that I wasn't quite fond of. She did this breathy thing where she would run out of breath, like as she was talking, and that got a little distracting for me. But you had uh, this great mm. note that she that she talks like Torgo. Yeah, that, there was a bit of this going on. <laughs> the master, the master would not approve of technology. Right. You know, now you're sounding like Kate Mulgrew. Well, there's there's definitely some overlap there. Yep. <laughs> There's coffee in that nebula. <laughs> oh, poor goat-legged Torgo. <laughs> but no, I, I apart from apart from some of her delivery that I I found you know a little uh, little grating. Like you're, the actual acting, you're right. She was definitely very hateable. Yeah, and and definitely very believable. And I suppose it's it's kind of cool that. You know the the villain, the the absolute just like pinnacle of awfulness was was a lady. Like they're they're expanding. You know, yep. it's not just the same like middle aged white guy that they always get. Women yep. can be evil too. Yeah, exactly. Well, that is one of the first steps to equality. Yep. <laughs> Everybody's <evil>. a jerk. <laughs> yep. And they weren't even in the gamma quadrant this week, and still somebody no. was a jerk. Weren't they? Where no, were they, they then? I see. This is this has been going on a lot lately, where they're they're going to to different planets, and you think, okay, well, they must be exploring the other side of the wormhole. No, they're just they're just going around right now for some reason. I don't know. Really it's get like that. they they sort of rea they sort of realize it's like, oh, we gave everyone runabouts, so we can have people leave now. And then it's like, well, wasn't the point to just stay where we are? No. Yeah, the, the whole look thing, at a planet. <laughs> they kept talking about season two being like concentrating on what makes the show unique, but mm -hmm. they're going off to planets a lot yeah huh. like more than next gen did 
And I totally assumed that they were on the other side of the wormhole. I mean, yeah, what I... other things are around where they are? I mean, there's Bajor. Yeah, exactly. It feels like if they're exploring, it should be. They're the not Gamma... exactly. They Exploring the Gamma Quad. They're not exactly exploring. It was it was more, and I think they even said this in the opening narration that they were looking for a possible habitable colony planet, like right. nearby. Like DS9, because they want to. DS Nine is getting too small for everybody, and right. they're going to well, go maybe, colonize somewhere else. Maybe for Bajor. <laughs> yeah, it's standing room only on DS Nine. Right. Although, uh, actually, now maybe I'm thinking of the other one. Maybe I'm thinking of the other episode where they go to a planet to colonize it, and they find that somebody's there. Oh, shit, you're right. Because they're both very similar setups. Very different stories, but sort of... Maybe it's both. Maybe it's just that sort of they've extended the mission. Well, I mean... They're looking for that planet. The the, last one we found was a bust. The the whole idea is that Deep Space Nine is in deep space, as far as the Federation is concerned, that it's sort of on the edge of the frontier, so there is still space in the Alpha Quadrant they haven't explored yet. Right. Mm. But yeah, it seems like with the premise of the show, they would be going to the Gamma Quadrant. But these guys are from the Federation. They crashed in a Federation ship, so... Ten years ago. Oh, good point. So they, they wouldn't would have discovered the, uh, the wormhole, wormhole yet, right? before yeah. that. But yeah, she was she was absolutely hateable, like, from, from minute one, I would say. Yep, just the second she steps out and starts her first of many monologues. Yeah. <laughs> She's very, very preachy, yeah. Oh, But, but then, know, that's, that's kind of yeah. realistic. Yeah, I mean, it goes along with her character. I think the, the like, having her be the cult leader, she's mm-hmm. very convincing in the in the way that she attacks the you know like kind of that mm. controlling vibe that she has over everyone it's like oh things are great right right yeah. <laughs> kind of well, you know. don't have a leader but it's her yeah the, the leader we don't have is you there's <laughs> one really good scene where somebody brings up a good like dissenting argument and she's like i'm glad you brought that up because it exactly proves my point mm-hmm. <laughs> Like, she's uh, very good at turning things around to, to her advantage. Yep. Yeah. And it just, it hurts me so much that you forced me to have to punish you for the things that you know aren't right. This hurts me more than it hurts you. Really? Because it seems like you're enjoying a nice cool glass of water right now. Yeah, and I've been in, a, <laughs> and I've been in the hot box for the last, uh, bow, well, commercial bow, break. Bow. <laughs> <laughs> also, you, you appear to be humming, Dad is great, he gives us chocolate cake. <laughs> Bad is great. Get us to talk not, not the sexiest song in the world. I, uh, but you I had, like to see... didn't you have this uh, like seventies yeah. porn music CD that had that uh, tune? Yeah, on it? That, that's that's where the reference comes from. Yeah, because it, it sounded it was the same melody. I would actually really like to see the episode where they crash land on the planet where uh, Bill Cosby is the leader of the cult. <laughs> And then, like, the, the big cliffhanger in the second act is that his wife comes downstairs. Oh, God. <laughs> and her face splits in two. <laughs> Where did you get chocolate cake from? Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> we'll be back to Star Trek Deep Space Nine after these messages. To be continued. <laughs> my, um, my bad <laughs> thing sort of ties in with, with this, though, is uh, were we meant to sympathize with her in any way? Because, yeah. like, I didn't at all. It feels like nope. the story might have worked better if we had two legitimate viewpoints in opposition, but it just felt like she was sort of transparent cardboard evil. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know. The How only... many movies with cult leaders have you seen where you sympathize with the cult leader? Yeah, but Star Trek is different. Star Trek, <laughs> especially, like, late era, you know, like, next-gen era Star Trek, the whole thing is, like, the conflict is supposed to be represented more reasonably, where you have two opposing viewpoints that aren't necessarily wrong no i mean the people i mm. sympathize was were, were these poor villagers who yeah the poor brainwashed idiots who have spent the last 10 years being completely fucking brainwashed to the point where they're just like no we'll stay here yeah and carry on our lives that was that was pretty <laughs> damn heartbreaking when they beam away and they offer everyone the chance to leave and nobody does yeah Except the Listen. kids who are like looking. Oh, yeah. Well, that was the lingering oh. shot at the end. The kids just like, <laughs> yeah. like we could have gone with them. What? Take oh. us with you. <laughs> Show us what television and video games are. <laughs> I don't want to beat dirt with a stick. Well, you could you could work up to polishing a rock on a ledge. <laughs> Man. Oh, to live the dream. He was so good at polishing that rock. Yeah. That could be me someday. I when thought that he was guy like dies. I thought he was gonna make an axe head or something, but no, it just stayed round. Yeah, he yep. was make it no, I think he was making it round. <laughs> for some reason. I gotta sharpen this rock into a sphere. Right. 
I don't think you know. I don't think you quite grasp sharpening. <laughs> oh, no, I get it. Oh, okay. I'm going to sharpen this until it's round. <laughs> All right. <laughs> That's how this works. But no, I mean, there's there's been some good, like, next-gen episodes, for instance, and DS9 as well, where we're presented with something like this, but then you kind of see the colonist viewpoint as well, and you're like, well, maybe Ben isn't necessarily right coming in and imposing his, you know, outside whatever on these people. But, I think uh, he would have been, but he didn't want to. Yeah. That was my bad thing, actually. What's that? Like, he, he his, I don't know, his willingness to just, you know, kowtow to her demands the whole time even going so far as to putting himself back in the box at the end right it's like i i don't know you you said that they were trying to make this a principled episode for him like he's gonna stand up for what he thought was right yeah that's what the writer said in memory alpha that he was trying to write a a principled cisco episode but i don't think he like did any standing up at all he just like did everything she asked him to and <laughs> he got in the box willingly, and he put himself back in the box after she asked him to take off his uniform for the third time. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It was, I mean, aside from not taking off his uniform, it didn't feel like he stood up for anything. I I don't know. Like I see the defiance, the the sort of fine. I'll play it your way. Like I I get that, but yeah, you're right. If you really think it out, it doesn't make a lot of sense. Mm. <laughs> I don't know, Matt. What do you think? I. I mean, like, I thought it was cool when he got back in the box. Right. Also, didn't drink the water, which is fucking awesome. Yep. Like, she even leaves him with the water and the, what is it, the uh, itchy purple shirt. Right. It's just like, no, I trust that you're going to do the right thing. And nope, doesn't drink the water, doesn't put the itchy purple shirt on, gets back in the box. But what was his plan then? So he's like working a double shift. Yeah, I mean. Yeah, he's ready to be a martyr, I guess. Yeah. I don't know. It just felt like kind of a lame cause for him to martyr himself for. Mm-hmm. I yeah, I could see that. I mean, I I I was actually I thought sort of the same the same way. It, if they had had more of a of them sort of coming coming against each other, well, that was generally your good thing, wasn't it? The the conflict between those two. Yeah, I like seeing those two play off each other. I just wish he had done a little bit more. You know, seemed like a lot of him taking what she get like what she gives him the only time he sort of comes up against her is when she sends uh hot keiko <laughs> to uh yeah this is a nice young asian woman that presents herself to uh to cisco like literally presents herself like yep. she walks into his room through the door that's not there right and sticks her ass in the air yep presents <laughs> but she she looked a lot like keiko's hot younger sister or something yep mm-hmm. No, she definitely did. Um, I I don't know. I think they were they were going for sort of a passive resistance vibe. Mm. Yeah. Sort of a you know I can I can take your shit. You're not going to break me kind of thing. Yeah. The thing is though, I don't see Cisco as like a passive guy. You know. Well, I think it depends on the situation. He's a very good tactician, mm-hmm. and I think he probably realized that that sort of you know, like you're not. People are so attached to this cult leader, as we saw at the end. Mm-hmm. If you if you sort of violently or, or aggressively made your point, that that would turn the people against you. Like, you need a different approach. Yeah. I don't know that this was the right approach, per se. Mm. But I think that might be, that might have been why he chose passive resistance over, you know, active resistance. Yeah, I, I can see so. that. I'm no Gandhi, so what do I know? Yeah. I, I am a Gandhi, but I still don't know. Are you? <laughs> yes. Which Gandhi are you? I'm uh, three Gandhi. You're the war Gandhi. Yes. <laughs> the one in between the eighth and the ninth Gandhi. Yes. I'm war Gandhi, the fan of Game Boys. Right. <laughs> I don't know why. That was the reference I kept making when they were taking away technology. Was I guess you can't have a Game Boy. Like, in my brain, I get that equals technology to me. That's the highest, Game Boy. that's the pinnacle of technology Having a game, for you. They took away their Game Boys. <laughs> I, won't be able to play, I won't be able to play Tetris in lime green. Not transporters <laughs> or... Or nope. replicators or anything like that. Phones nope. or lights nope. or motor cars. Being able to play Super Mario Land. 3D printers. Yep. You know, they call them replicators. Oh, right. <laughs> they, they, I definitely got this sort of, and you, you get this living in, in where we live, definitely. Uh, this uh, sort of, uh, oh, our food is, is locally sourced. Our, our food is organic. I've never eaten anything from a replicator. Mm. Like, I got, oh. I got that vibe. Yeah. yeah. Very and Portland. And that may be... 
not love them. Yeah, definitely very Portland. You haven't had real food until you've had something you grew yourself. Yeah, but I've... Well, fuck you. How about that? I saw the (laughs) breakfast lineup, and it was just apples or pears. Yep. That's all you get. I think there was some sort of gourds. Oh, well. Hope you like gourds. Is there anything more appetizing? If you like raw, stringy things, have at it. (laughs) And a lot of seeds. Yep. This is the gourd for you. There's there's that scene where, like, uh, where... The, the Meg, everyone's favorite character, uh-huh. is dying of uh, insect bites, and uh, <laughs> Cisco and O'Brien are trying to figure out a way to beam back to the uh, to the shuttle so they can get you know a medikit or something. Right. Mm-hmm. And Alex, Alex is by the way. It's no, it's Alexis. Elix- Elixis. 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 Is that Elixis. what it was? Yeah, like it's Elixis. A l i x i x. Wait, yep. no. No. <laughs> I got lost in that it. Sounds too, too extreme. Yeah. Way too many X's. Syrian's life works. <laughs> it was Elixis. No, but she, uh, she's like, you shouldn't be trying to get up to your ship where there's actual medicine. You should be dicking around out in the woods trying to find a fungus that might cure her. Look, we've tried like 2,000 berries. There's still like 6,000 to try, so just keep trying and one of them's got to work, keep right? Keep looking for berries and funguses to rub on her. Yeah. <laughs> they got her arm wrapped in leaves. <laughs> yeah, she's, she's, uh... She's covered in cabbage, like she's yep. marinating. <laughs> yep. <laughs> you marinate things in cabbage? I think so, yeah. Yeah, why not? <laughs> what do you call it when you when you wrap some meat in, in some vegetables and let it sit for a while? Is that I don't know, like kebab? I don't think it's marinating, but I don't know what it is. Yeah. If there's a chef podcast listening to this show... Well, we'll, we'll get to the chefs in the next episode. <laughs> hey, chef. <laughs> hey, children. Hello there, children. <laughs> Let me wrap some meat and lettuce for you. Yeah, they turned her into a wrap, into a uh, into a low carb wrap. Yep. And uh, didn't save her life, strangely enough. Nope. Poor Meg. Odd that. Yeah. And the whole time they're just like, you know, like we, we could save her. We could just go get the medicine. No, no, no. It's fine. I would rather a thousand people die to prove my principles. I mean, our principles. Our principles that we all believe in. Isn't that right? Yes. <laughs> Go read the literature. Yeah, that was another thing. The the oh, only books the in books. the entire village are the ones she's written, and she has written a lot yeah, of books. Yeah, there's like 50 of them. Yeah. She's the Danielle Steele of crazy religious nuts. <laughs> she's the cat-solving mystery author. <laughs> oh, my old nemesis. Are you, are you not familiar with that uh, very prolific... Uh... Subgenre of mystery books where cats solve mysteries. Apparently not solving mysteries. I am. I'm only familiar with the cat who walks through walls. Ah. Oh no. There, I was. I was shocked to learn when I started working at bookstores that there's an entire genre of books, uh, written for forty to fifty year old women about cats who solve mysteries. Really? Like a cat would give a shit about why someone was murdered. Is it just? Is it just titles, or is it like the actual book is about a cat solving? No, a the actual book is about a cat. They have these in. Wow. The, they have these in the checkout lane at at my the grocery store around the corner from me, and there's a lot of them. Like it's yeah. not like they got one on a goof and just displayed it there. Like apparently they sell because mm-hmm. they keep getting them, and the cover art is always like a cat wearing like a Sherlock Holmes deerstalker, like with a with a magnifying glass in its <laughs> really? paw. Yep. Or like dusting for prints. <laughs> I mean, it's, the, it's like, this, it's like it take any standard sort of CSI scene and, uh-huh. and put tunes in it. Yeah. <laughs> and that's what the cover art is. Is this any around. relation to the, uh, the uh, dinosaur sex novels that people sell on Amazon? Oh, God, if only. <laughs> no, but you've, you've just uh, <laughs> introduced a wonderful crossover idea that... Uh, <laughs> Could be Show of hands millions. who wants to see a uh, cat and a dinosaur solve mysteries and then have sex. <laughs> <laughs> well, if you could somehow tie dinosaurs to birds and the cat chasing birds. and like, well, a, I, I, a, I like what connection. you're doing here. Yep. Uh, so this episode. <laughs> oh, right. oh, yes, this episode. The fuck were we talking about? <laughs> so you, you got them. I mean, there, there's no other way to say this. You got them putting a black dude in a hot box. Yeah. And mm-hmm. having seen uh, Django Working Unchained recently just, just kind of added an extra layer of discomfort for me. I don't know. Yeah. What guys, but, uh, yeah. And I, I don't know if that was deliberate because, I mean, Tarantino took a lot of liberties. Like, I know the, the Mandingo fighting wasn't a real thing. That's just No, but I think hot boxes were, if I remember. It's been a long time since I saw Roots, but uh, right. I think that was a real thing. 
So that, I mean, but I mean, regardless of, you know, whether he's, he's black or not, it, it's still just a highly uncomfortable thing. And we all sort of know what it was. Yeah. Like they didn't have to explain you roast it in the box all day. We just sort of knew. Mm -hmm. Right. Or at least over one commercial break. Right. Yeah. We weren't yes. really clear how long he was in there. Apparently it was a while. <laughs> I, yeah, I guess so. That I mean, is, he's a big wuss. I was thinking about it though. You know, like part of the episode's drive is Elixis, excuse me, <laughs> trying to get him to take off his uniform. Yep. Um, he's been in that uniform for about five days now, and uh, yeah, working in the field all day, like working being in, in the, the box. field all day. I, I think it might be time to take your uniform off. Yep. Because it smells like death. And they don't believe in laundry. But no. symbolism. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. Like, I go back and forth on the take your uniform off thing. Like, it was sort of easy symbolism, but on the other hand, it's a TV episode that has to tell a story in 45 minutes and, you know, yeah. get on no, with I thought, it. So. I, I, I thought that worked I, for me because... The, I didn't like it at first, but you guys kind of brought me around on it. Well, the, the uniform is not only a symbol to everyone else in the village of something else. It's, you know, it's... If she can get him out, out of it and into, like, you know... The itchy purple shirt. Mm -hmm. That mean that the means IPS. That, that, yeah, that's her first step towards winning. Yeah, and she really wants these two guys working working here. I just yeah. I feel like at one point O'Brien wanted to take his uniform off just so Cisco could wear two. Yep, <laughs> just to be extra defiant. Well, in her defense, he does end up taking his uniform off in this episode. Well, that's true. And we oh. see the the weird undergarments that are that are under those uniforms, mm. which yeah. is like this sort of three quarter knee length sexy shorts. Yeah, the, the, this, these are what I think of when I think of of the term short pants. Yeah, they're they're like uh, what the lead singer of ACDC wears. Yeah, like the weird little <laughs> schoolboy pants. Just it it doesn't seem very practical under that jumpsuit. As they all. seem very billowy to be worn under a uniform. Yeah, it seems like they would bunch <laughs> up. Yeah. I mean, I, which I, they can't bow, be because bow. I've never seen a uh, Starfleet <laughs> officer picking uh, underwear out of his crack. Uh, what do you think the Picard maneuver was? <laughs> <laughs> that's all that was. He was just doing it from the front because he's a he's a classy guy. But you maybe, know. Maybe, maybe that's around. why. Yeah. Maybe that's why Riker was always putting his leg up to stretch his pants out. <laughs> yep. And Data, oh, there we go. Data just built a little like servo that took care of it. <laughs> like, ah. Well, he is fully functional. Yes. yes. Exactly. I mean, more fully functional than any of us. <laughs> uh, Bob, what was your bad thing? Uh, I think I said, didn't I? The um, the thing with Cisco not being uh, like. Oh, I was like I was looking at your in. note here about the about the the shuttle about the runabout. Oh, the other thing, yeah, that was I didn't understand how she shot the shuttlecraft into the sun. Mm. Well, she didn't. Uh, she tried well, to and missed, <laughs> yeah, which, well, I, which I found hilarious. It's it's, 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 it's a good thing she doesn't believe in technology because she's not very good at it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's, it's the giant center of your system. Yeah, the, Whoops, the big fire. Missed. But my my issue was like, well, how did she control it? Because I mean, well, obviously she can turn off the duonetic field and have you know electronic access. Well, yeah, it turned out like... she was actually some kind of a some kind of a high tech engineer before she became a crazy person. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Maybe O'Brien talks in his sleep and just, you know, keeps spouting out security codes. <laughs> that could be, because you should I've... definitely at least lock your doors. Yeah. Right. I'd love to see them leave the ship and then just doot doot. Because yep. they all only have that five-digit security code to uh, mm -hmm. remote control it, right? Yeah, and we actually, in a, in a recent previous episode, heard O'Brien's passwords, and they're like, you know, Alpha Epsilon Molly Five. Mm. He, right. he uses his daughter's name in his password. Like he's he's one of those people that's probably pretty easy to guess. <laughs> yeah. So his birth year, birth month, his daughter's name, and right. the cat's name. Exactly. Yep. <laughs> Which is just named Spot. There's only one name for cats in the future. <laughs> they're all named Spot. Well, they're all descended from the original Spot. <laughs> yeah, they, they, it's this who is... died when Data petted it too hard, <laughs> and then got put in stasis, and then three million years later. Wait a minute. <laughs> Uh, Matt, well, you basically said your bad thing. Oh. <laughs> but I kind of want to hear this rant. So, I was so mad watching this episode that I actually had to stop and make sure I I could get I could get this whole thing out. Look, it's bad enough that Alexis gets to have her little monologue at the end about how she helped these people and, that, and all the sacrifice that she made. Mm -hmm. But having the entire village support her for what she did because it made them into a community? Bullshit, it made them into a cult. 
Yeah, no but that's the thing about cults. Yeah. Sorry? I mean, they're, they're all suffering from, uh, what is it, Helsinki syndrome? Stockholm syndrome. Stockholm from, syndrome. From Helsinki, yeah. Sweden? Yes. <laughs> as far as I know. Like, no matter what she did, she purposely built this community. She crashed the ship. Yep. She built this community and then assumes control of it. She controls every one of these people's lives. Live. The only books they have access to are the ones that she wrote. There's nothing else. She's a fucking dictator, and they end this episode thanking her. Are you fucking kidding me? But see, that's that's that sort of ambiguous ending that the show likes to do. Mm-hmm. Like, everything didn't end happy. These people yeah. are still kind of fucked up. Goodbye. Yeah, and I get it. Like, this is what, you know, this is what a cult will do to people. Right. But, I mean, that's also what this show will do. Like, you mm-hmm. might have been expecting sort of a neat narrative tying everything up thing, and, and this show doesn't always go for the yeah. easy answers, and maybe that's why mm. it didn't sit right with you, because you're used this... to, you know, next-gen sort of solving it and then leaving. This is another case of maybe not it being a bad thing, but I felt bad. Right. No, I understand. <laughs> if a... only we had Kirk here to talk their computer to death. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, these guys basically did ruin their society and then leave. That's true. Yeah. They, they did They did a, a Kirk thing, just not was... exactly the Kirk way. <laughs> yeah, but yeah. they were willing to take them with them. Kirk was never willing to do that. That's true. And Kirk well, they... would have definitely banged uh, uh, Keiko's hot sister. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Not Alexis, We'd... though, because she's fucking her son. Well, we right. didn't show O'Brien how he uh, turned the uh, field generator off off screen, so maybe you did talk her to death. That's true. Computer, I put it to you. <laughs> <laughs> I um well my good thing, there's a there's a scene with Dax and Kira, and this is actually uh your your quote, is it not Bob? Ah, uh, yes it is. Why don't we play that now? Very well. Plotting an intercept course. Once we're a beam, match our speeds exactly and I'll transport over. Like hell you will. Sorry, I'm the ranking officer here. At warp, I wouldn't be in such a hurry to volunteer. You got a better idea? I'm the science officer. It's my job to have a better idea. I liked that. I thought it really mirrored <laughs> the um, the scene in the season premiere, or one of the one of the parts of the three part season premiere, where uh, Kira's teaching Dax how to be a rebel, like how to how to you know turn off all the machines and fly things you know manually. Fly with and, her pants. Right. Exactly. <laughs> fly with her pants. It's not in your pants. It's in your heart. <laughs> But there, there was a, there was a great scene in that episode that we talked about where you know mm-hmm. Kira's like, "Come on, Dax, you gotta you gotta ignore your science officer training and just sort of act on instinct." And mm-hmm. and now it's sort of switched around where Dax is like, "Come on, Kira, we can solve this with science. Quit getting but angry I'm the at it." Officer, and, you know. <laughs> but it, I I thought that I don't know if it was deliberate or not, but it was it was a nice sort of like I like those two. They have good chemistry. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And and I liked that that scene was was sort of a mirror of a of a previous scene that I enjoyed. So I completely forgot about that friendship from uh, the first time I watched DS Nine. Like, really, this has been kind of a surprise for me. Really, because huh. I re- I remember, well, th- there's no way I can remind you of the scene I'm thinking of without yeah, spoiling don't. big stuff. Yeah, spoilers. There, there's there, there the nice hat scene. <laughs> if you remember that one, I don't remember the nice hat scene, but I'll be looking forward to it. Okay. <laughs> well, there's a scene that involves the line "nice hat." Do they have like beads hanging from the hat? No, 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 no. That's that's in the other episode. Oh, I, I can see how you get confused because those are those are you know some pretty sweet hats. Yeah. Oh yeah. Um. So do we have anything further to say about evil Alexis and the evilness oh. of evil cults? That's it. That's it. Just oh. <laughs> yep. Well, the the in memory alpha, the one of the writers said that they were like specifically. I guess they had some bad experience with a relative or something, like being brainwashed by a cult, and that they mm. sort of had an axe to grind with this. Mm. Like they were they were writing Unfor- about some of their experiences. So unfortunately, they grind that axe into a sphere. <laughs> <laughs> but on the second floor. Well, yes. For some reason. Oh, there was one thing at near the end. Uh, O'Brien makes a compass with like a lodestone and a little piece of floating bit oh, of yeah. water inside a gourd, and I thought that was a really cool, that like, was pretty badass cool. MacGyver move. Yep, we've had... and also they don't spell it out. I'm making a compass. Nope, you just see him sort of like beating rocks together and making sparks, and then he's got a bowl with the rock and some water, and yeah, it's it's very mm. cool. We had that uh, last week with uh, the episode where he was escaping from the uh, station. Mm. Where I I love like improvising in the field, O'Brien. Yeah, because you get you get sort of the combination of him being a soldier and and living on his wits and also being a you know really crafty engineer. Like it's a, it's a nice combination of the things that he is. Yeah, totally. That's the best O'Brien. Yep. We also get uh, we get him talking about his time in the Cardassian War. Yep. 
which, which I, you had a note I, saying that you would love to watch a spinoff of just the... Uh, yeah, Chief O'Brien, War Stories. Right. <laughs> Singing that song every week. Yep. The, Playing uh, his cello. Right. Well, <laughs> apparently he was a cellist. Who knew? We did. We did. I just forgot. <laughs> I forget things. It's probably an Eye of the Beholder. Probably. <laughs> No, he he tells a great story about how like he was just sort of a of a enlisted guy that with like a non-specific job, and he had to suddenly work, figure out how a transporter worked, or everyone was gonna die. Yeah, and it's just like, oh shit, I'm really good at uh, engineering. Right, which was kind of a cool little bit of backstory, I thought. Yeah, yeah, and uh, and then yeah, we get a we get sort of a setup for a payoff in in the following episode mm-hmm. where. Uh, Cisco asks him if uh, if Jake can can be his apprentice or whatever. Can play along, right? <laughs> so, listen, I, listen. I don't want Jake hanging around here all summer. <laughs> summer, sir. We live in space. <laughs> it definitely felt like he was trying to foist him off. Like, yep. Uh, can you deal with him for a while? Look, your wife takes care of him half the time. Can you take him the other half? <laughs> I. Just don't... I... When exactly are you going to start paying me for this, sir? <laughs> uh, no money in the future. Son of a bitch. We live in a mall. But how do I <laughs> buy things at Quark's, then? Yeah, or anywhere else on the promenade. <laughs> at Radio Shack, for instance. I need to buy a radio. I love that. <laughs> That's the only business that survived. <laughs> yep. Somehow. It makes total sense. Yeah, sure. Yep. Radio Shack. Right. Where else are you going to go on the promenade to buy batteries? <laughs> and remote-controlled trucks. Yep. <laughs> and brown carpet. And and what? <laughs> they don't sell the brown carpet. That's they a, just have it. Yeah, that's proprietary. They keep. But that. they still want your email address so they can send you marketing materials. Yep. <laughs> but I'm just buying a headphone cord that splits one into two. Nope. Need your need your phone number. <laughs> I don't have a phone number. Yeah. Hello, is this Ron Watt? Just calling to see how your uh, how your cord splitter's working out. <laughs> Damn it! <laughs> Hi, this is ra- and, and really Radio Shack. Yep. <laughs> when I think of a place I want to buy a radio, there's nothing more te- <laughs> technology sounding than Radio Shack. <laughs> there's no more perfect perfect uh, melding of product and location, except maybe Dress Barn. <laughs> <laughs> This episode of the Post-Atomic Horror Podcast was brought to you by Radio Shack <laughs> and Dress Barn. Yep. Well, it might make more sense if you worked on, like, a destroyer during World War II, but I think most of us probably haven't at this point. So. Speak for yourself. <laughs> I don't know. I think I, some of their clientele is building, like, crystal radio sets. So there's <laughs> probably, uh, probably some octogenarians in there. <laughs> All right. Why don't we now talk about shadow play? That's usually a good sign Ooh. when we start talking about Radio Shack. Yeah. <laughs> We call that the Radio Shack Factor. <laughs> uh, so, shadow play. This episode involves no shadows and very little play, so let's get that out of the way up front. This is a weird tradition you're establishing, Deep Space Nine. So Odo and Dax are checking out a planet on the other side of the wormhole. Seriously, the show has done more boldly going this season than Next Gen did in its entire run, apparently to see if it's suitable for colonization. I guess Odo just gets to go on any mission to the Gamma Quadrant now because the mystery of his people. There, they discover a village populated by mostly dumpy, middle-aged guys in chef's hats. <laughs> Our guys convince the villagers that they mean them no harm, and realizing that Odo is a detective, they ask for his help solving a mystery. Turns out people from their village, some of them not dumpy, middle-aged guys in chef's hats, have been disappearing. <laughs> so Odo puts on his figurative fedora and returns to the hard-fighting, hard-drinking ways that get him results. First up, questioning a little girl. Hey, it's that same little girl from Imaginary Friend, and her mom disappeared. Odo first determines that her mom is not Isabella, and that's all I remember from Imaginary Friend. <laughs> Back on the station, Cisco is insisting that Jake get a job, presumably to order some of that sweet no money they have in the future. So off he goes to study under Chief O'Brien, learning complicated engineering concepts such as name these three colors. And the boy isn't really getting it. <laughs> Meanwhile, creepy Vedic Baral shows up and to visit Kira and cash in on that sexy orb experience she had back in the season premiere. It turns out that Quark arranged the visit to distract Kira, who's filling in for Odo while he's away. And despite the fact that she does end up making out with Beryl while simultaneously having a rather mundane conversation with him, she never takes her eyes off Quark. Kira, the great multitasker. Back on the planet, Odo and Dax work out that the people are actually self-aware holograms that are disappearing because Technobabble, so Dax turns the entire village off and on again and everything's fine. 
They discover that one sad old man created the entire Holo colony after being chased away from his real home by the Dominion. Remember that name, kids. Odo spends one final tender moment with his new hologram friend, the little girl, by dazzling her by turning into something that is neither a mouse nor a cup. And back on the station, Jake breaks with tradition and tells his dad that he doesn't actually want to join Starfleet, and furthermore, he's never had any interest in building model ships. Ben is confused, but supportive. <laughs> wait, 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 wait. Let me get this straight. You're a kid on Star Trek who doesn't want to be in Starfleet. Yeah, that's huh? right. I, I ne never did. Wait. No, never. Never? No, never once. I. Hmm. I you realize kinda... Starfleet's the only thing anyone does, right? <laughs> <laughs> I just kind of nodded and smiled when you talked about it, but I never actually said I wanted to do it. Huh. I I don't know how to deal with this. I'm going to go get a job on the promenade instead. <laughs> Selling jumjot sticks. I really want to work for that fat Klingon. Are those, those meat popsicles? Yes. <laughs> yes, yeah. Are they meat popsicles? Meat I mean, popsicles with sugar on them. I know they're weird sort of gelatin-y type stuff, but uh, I guess you could. I guess they're a bit meaty as well. Mmm, meat and gelatin. Can you think of a better combination? Well, as long as they still make them with real horse hooves. <laughs> or, or like traveler hooves. That's the... <laughs> <laughs> That's what gelatin's made out of in the future. <laughs> Gross. <laughs> There was a lot going on in this episode. There was, like, the, the previous one had almost no B story. Like, you had uh, Kira and Dax mm -hmm. rescuing uh, uh, the, the guys, like, coming after them. But, mm -hmm. but in this one, you had, like, three totally was a C story. unrelated, yeah, unrelated stories, which was, which was pretty cool. Mm -hmm. yeah. I prefer that because, I mean, this is, a, this is an ensemble show, and I prefer when hmm. everybody gets something to do. I actually didn't like it because I thought it was an indicator that the A story wasn't meaty enough. Well, I, it wasn't, but no, uh, it wasn't. <laughs> I they they handled they've definitely handled it better on this show. Like they they they're at times can juggle like tons of different stories, and it feels just sort of natural. But yeah, you're you're right. Mm. It, it felt like they were sort of padding it out a bit. Yeah, the, the only thing that the the A story really had going for it was uh, Odo and his friend, the little girl. I, that was my good thing. The the oh, relationship excellent. between those two was great. And we oh get, yeah, this is I mean. This is a thing we've seen from Odo before. We'll see it again. But, you know, he's he's got a gruff exterior, but he's got a, you know, a heart of gold kind of thing. I mean, if he had a heart, yes. Yes. <laughs> Actually, I suppose he could just have a heart of gold. Yep. A goo of gold. Yep. yep. It's really heavy. Gould. <laughs> Little gould. Little gould. <laughs> and then there's the scene that we broke Bob where he just couldn't stop laughing for five <laughs> minutes where uh, Odo shows up to question the little girl and all her friends run off like uh, like they got something to hide. <laughs> Nothing! Not the popo. -po. I can't do another nickel. <laughs> Book it, the feds! 5 0, 5 0. <laughs> It's a fuzz. Yeah, that was. <clears throat> Sorry. No, <laughs> Something's broken in my brain. Stop being amused, stop. Bob. Throwing away their crack pipes. <laughs> we got a comedy show to make here. Stop laughing. <laughs> it's the cops, Ron! There was there there was a great chemistry between the two of them though, and this this little girl from Imaginary Friend. It's nice to see her in a in a better episode because mm -hmm. I didn't have a problem with her acting before. I just didn't particularly like that premise. Yeah, yeah. But this one, no, her, her, yeah, her and Odo just just adorable. Yeah, she had this nice sort of sadness about her that her mom was missing, and, yeah. and you could kind of see it in her eyes. Like it was more than just her delivery. Like there was some some good face acting going on and some good just like you know body language and stuff like that mm. although there's right. a line where she's like my mom hasn't disappeared she's just not here and i'm like you you know what disappeared means right <laughs> <laughs> yeah no don't like like says don't, don't worry i'll find her like are you gonna tell her that really she's eight you, you're gonna <laughs> you're gonna fill her head with that I, Listen, I don't know if i have to i'll explain to her how i couldn't find her mother because right. she was murdered I love and that. And then I'll show her the crime scene photos. Kids like that, right? Sure. <laughs> I love that once she kids. found out that she he was a, a shapeshifter, that she kept wheedling him to like, go, oh, come on, change into something. Yeah, but, but you change into a loaf of bread, huh? Huh? But you couldn't do that. <laughs> <laughs> that's well, a very that's a very kid thing, though. It was. Yeah. That that's why I like and and we're continually surprised through Next Gen and then through this show that kids are written so well, but they usually mm. are. Yeah. Like they're usually written like kids and fairly sympathetic and not annoying and yeah. Uh, and yeah, she, you're right. That is definitely sort of a, a jerk kid thing to do. <laughs> like I love she's telling them a story about like a changeling, which is apparently a legend on this planet. Well, it's they're in the Gamma Quadrant and yeah. they've talked before about how changelings like 
if you haven't directly run into the Dominion, the, the, the sort of the legend of the Changelings is still kind of in different cultures, yeah. which is cool. Mm. But um, she's clearly she's telling him this story about it. Yeah, and then he chained into a loaf of bread. I bet you could do that. <laughs> Why? So you'd gobble me up? And then he gives Dax this great look, like, just, can you believe this? Yeah. Like, I'm that easy. <laughs> That's was... like, I would not expect that from Odo at all. Nope. I, I don't know, I feel like he can relate to a kid better in some ways, because he doesn't mm. have to, like, pretend. Yeah. Like, yeah. he doesn't have to, uh, you know, be a certain way. He can just kind of relax and be himself a little more. Yeah. Like, I like, he's got this little speech, and we talked, this has come up before a couple of times on DS9, where he talks about the people he used to have to hang out with who just wanted him to turn into crap. Right. Which We're is really why his he, friends. Which, by the way, is why he doesn't shapeshift that much on the yep. show. It's not a budget thing at no, all. No, no, not at all. <laughs> <laughs> Morphing's not expensive. No, just, not even a little bit. Nope. No, it was it was it was cute. I liked it. Yeah. And uh and you know, Odo like every now and then reminding us that he's not just a hard ass, that he's, you know, that he does care about people. It's nice. He's not just Ooh. a hard ass, but he is always awesome. Yep. Well, like I say, he basically just switches to, you know, like, uh, noir detective mode. Yep. And just like, and he, he even goes to the Columbo thing again. One thing troubles, oh, and one more thing. Oh, just before I go. <laughs> yeah. And apparently one of the one of the writers on DS9 actually wrote for Columbo, so I guess that makes uh, sense. Oh, really? Yeah. yeah. Oh, Can't that's remember cool. if it was Peter Allen Fields or Rene Echevarria, one, one of those guys. It was Jim uh, Columbo. Yes, Jim Columbo wrote Columbo. <laughs> Named it after himself. It's, that's tacky. He named it after his son. Oh, yeah, of course. Jim Colombo Jr. <laughs> Bob, what was your good thing? Uh, my good thing was <laughs> in, uh, in the, what is it, B story or C story? I kept calling it the C story with uh, Kira. That uh, when, like, you know, she goes and does this thing with uh, uh, Brile and, you know, playing spring ball, was yep. it? Yep. And uh, but anyway, they they don't show any of that, but they show them like having a meal afterwards. And and in her post workout headband, Kira looks a lot like Daniel San from the Karate Kid, which yep. I thought was delightful. <laughs> really, of all the of all the good stuff going on in this episode, the headband really yep. jumped out at you. Huh? Now, <laughs> all right. Now, Kira San, show me sweep the leg. <laughs> no, no, no. Well, the bad guys swept the leg. Ah, uh, <laughs> yes, that's right. Show me wax on, wax off. Right. All his, all his uh, karate moves were chore-based. Bow, bow, bow. <laughs> Show me hot box. That is great. <laughs> Give us chocolate cake. I'm, I'm kind of glad we didn't see spring ball. Yeah. Mm. Like, when we saw racquetball, it was just earth racquetball. Like, it was in a goofy set, but it was still just, like, the normal game that we've already heard of. Uh-huh. Usually when they try to make up sports, it, it doesn't it It's, doesn't uh, it's just time... baseball with a spring. Uh, well, it could Obviously. be. Well, then it's Blurn's ball, right? Well, you don't, <laughs> but you don't hit the ball with a spring. The, no the... springs! <laughs> ah, fuck, I can't whistle. <laughs> <That's okay. laughs> there you go. All right. Just get your phone to do it. Fucking Coily. <laughs> now I want to see Coily show up on DS9. <laughs> so... No, um... So, you thought you could have a space station without springs, did you? <laughs> Well, the Cardassians didn't actually build it with springs, so yeah. I would love <laughs> to see co uh, Coily torturing Quark. <laughs> uh, so, I, but uh, but yeah, those two. I I don't know the the relationship. Well, this was basically your bad thing, wasn't it, Matt? The the Barile. Oh yeah. So let's talk about Vedic Barile. I mean, he's shown up a couple of times now. Mm. Um, this is the one where he sort of officially comes back and starts his relationship with Kira. Which is too bad, because Brile feels like a real creep. I think so, too, like, Bob. You really? didn't agree for some reason. No, I thought he was, I don't know, like, he's kind of, you know, he's he's got his his uh, facade that, you know, he's this religious leader, but he's, you know, also kind of tries to have fun. So it's there's a balancing act between the two that I think kind of makes him interesting and he's, maybe he, a little mysterious in a romance novel sort of way. But he's the hip not pastor. Bad. He carries yeah. a guitar. Call him Phil. <laughs> see, like, like I, I feel like the writers are trying to do that, trying to make him sort of fun and down. Yeah, I see it in the writing, but some of the performing, I think, is a little. It's that's mm. the, it's the it's maybe the he's not the right guy. Plays him. Everything that he does gets delivered in this sort of flat monotone, and he just sort of stares into space. Yeah. And all hmm. I can think is that, like, Kira, you can do better than this. Really? All not I can think is what dreamy eyes. <laughs> 
Well, they're definitely staring at you. Yeah, I'll, I'm. Uh, I'm gonna have to take your word on that one, Bob. All right. He's he's got this sort of Hannibal Lecter thing going there. I came up here to see you, Narys. Yep. <laughs> Toughens your nipples, doesn't it? Hello, Narys. <laughs> yeah. Don't get too close. We might, we might be. Oh, this is my design, Matt. It's okay. God damn oh. it. <laughs> the uh, but I mean we we might be carrying the baggage of the previous episodes as well where he definitely came off a little more like that. They did soften yeah. him a little in this one. Mm. Yeah. But uh, I no I still found him a bit creepy my yeah. my own self. Sure. This is actually this is the episode where it really started to bug me. You know, it's mm. like God, you're weird. Well, and and I'm not crazy about how their relationship is unfolding. Like she saw it in an orb vision, and now it's happening. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. I don't. I don't really mind the prophets and the and the prophecies and the all that stuff really, but I don't know. Do they get that specific? Yeah, like, like are you really gonna believe an or what something an orb tells you? Well, I'm, like, I'm I'm saying like maybe there's prophecies about the emissary, but do they really get that specific about like showing you who you're gonna who your next boyfriend's gonna be? Mm-hmm. Well, you know what I mean? Like don't they? they have more important things to do? <laughs> <laughs> nope, they just okay. hanging out in the wormhole. Well, fair enough. Here's something important they could do: be orb shaped. Well, yes, those orbs are not orb shaped. <laughs> they they look like hourglasses. <laughs> um. So, Bob, what was your uh, bad thing? Uh, my my bad thing was in the the sea story, the Kira Quirk Barile thing. Not so much Barile, but the Kira and Quirk. It, it just felt underdeveloped and and kind of dumb because like we we don't know what's going on with Quark really aside from you know maybe his cousin's supposed to be on the station and then there's this sudden revelation with Brile is like oh this other guy is on the station and he's going to deal with Quark and and then we go off and you never we go off to another part of the story and we never see who she's after or what the plot is or I don't know it just felt so you feel like weird. maybe we should have seen a little more of her filling in for Odo to. Yeah, yeah, I mean, if she's going to, you know, become security, you know, quark! Right. And she definitely should have said that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that I, yeah. yeah. No, just, I, I can see it that. It, was, like it, it did feel like business was going on in the station and we weren't really privy to all of it. No. Right. We were kind of coming in in the middle of something. And that's okay, but it's like, I, I kind of felt like, why, why are we seeing half of this and not the whole thing? Because it doesn't seem to affect the rest of the story. Well, that that doesn't bother me, and this show has done it, it's done it better at other times, like juggling A, B, and C stories that aren't mm. necessarily related. But yeah, mm-hmm. in this case, it, it they didn't feel exactly connected. Um, I feel like they're they're sort of putting their toe in the water of serialization, and like one of the things they sort of want to develop this season is the the Kira Burial relationship, and so they use mm-hmm. this like, oh, we have a five minute hole in this episode. Let's let's throw a little progress there, and then come back to it later. Mm. Right. Although I think it did um, at least kind of like all three stories felt to me like they followed a theme of like kind of a follow your heart kind of thing where it's there's, you know, Kira is actually finally hooking up with Brile and there's uh, Jake finally admitting to his dad, I don't want to do this. I want to do something else. And the um, even Odo, you know, trying to convince the guy on the planet, oh, no, it's, you know, who's who's to say that having, you know, a life. And with your fantasy world and holograms is a bad thing. Go, go live your fantasy. So it's all like kind of follow your heart, all three of them. I, I can see that, but the, the writer actually said that the theme between all of these is nothing is as it seems. Well, what does the writer know? Yeah, yeah Jesus. <laughs> uh, what a dumb theme. Is this, is this episode supposed to be a magic trick? I'm watching that coin, Quark. I know you can pull it out of your ears. <laughs> you know, uh, you can fit a lot of nickels behind Quark's ear. That's true. There's a whole, like, sack of, you know, with a dollar sign on it. Mm-hmm. That, was, that was a joke that Matt made while we were watching it. When, like, they walk outside of the holographic field and the little tricorder thing disappears. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's Quark's, yeah, not Quark. <laughs> Odo's like, where did it go? Is it in my ear? <laughs> <laughs> well, and the thing Dax was carrying looked like a, uh, like the, like they were waiting for a table at the Olive Garden. <laughs> <laughs> and they could go continue to shop in the mall where they were waiting to be buzzed. Gotta get me some of those breadsticks. <laughs> the unlimited breadsticks. <laughs> and all the salad you could want, Dax. Imagine it. This is a weird date, Odo. 
<laughs> Are they dating now? Sure, why not? Yeah. <laughs> uh, Matt, what was your good thing? What was my good thing? I just, I, I just like that uh, they come visit this planet, and Odo basically finds out that these people are in trouble, and decides to just stick around and solve the mystery. I mean, he doesn't have any real authority here. There's no real reason for it. It's just, you know, he's Odo. This is what he does. He helps people, and he solves crimes. It, it feels like a, uh, a one of those 70s drama shows where he's wandering the galaxy, solving crimes at every town that he stops in. Yeah, the Odo <laughs> Files. Right. Or the Incredible Odo. Yes. <laughs> the the Incredible Hulk. Oh. <laughs> uh-huh. No, you're you're right, though. That, that did feel very Odo. And I just, you know, I like that character. Yep. I like more reasons to like that character. He's like, just great. I, we've mentioned this before, that Dax is starting to become more like the Dax that we know and like. Yep. Um, we definitely got a bit of that early in the episode, but then it just sort of tailed out. Like, she wasn't really involved in the second half of it. Not so much, no. She was Which, really just there for Odo to, like, talk to. And carry a and, tricorder and yeah, do science stuff. Yeah, point the tricorder at stuff. Right. Because Odo can't solve the, the science crap. Right. No, he, he figures out who's lying and, and yeah. who's got a motive and stuff. But, yeah, she's got to do the sciencey stuff. Yeah. She's no, got a great Watson, you know? Yeah. But, Which you is know. too bad, because I think she would make a great Watson with a better written episode. Mm. Yeah. No, I still don't feel Dax is quite where she needs to be yet. No, we're seeing more and more of it. Yeah, we're getting... The, the, the thing about Dax that I really love from, from later episodes that we're starting to see a little more of is the playfulness. Mm. The, mm. the sort of not really taunting her friends, but definitely sort of giving them a hard time kind of yeah. thing, and, and yeah. with a smile on her face, and she's really good at that. And and we got a bit of that here where she's gossiping about some people and, and yeah. talking about, you know, Odo always talking about the humanoid's incessant need for coupling. And, yeah. you know, I don't get yeah. it. Yeah, that's interesting because the like my kids and I are, are watching DS9. We're a little ahead of where you are. <laughs> we're like near the end of season three, I think. And mm -hmm. it's we've seen a little bit more of that. And coming back to watch this episode, she felt a little bland. Well, yeah, that's the thing. She's getting there. Mm -hmm. yeah. She's definitely more than she was in season one, for sure. Yeah. yeah. But she's not quite to where I remember her it's being. Just, it's right. really taken them a while to sort of figure out why Dax is great. Yeah, we've had two Dax-centric episodes where she just sort of steps to the background and lets everyone else talk about her. And waits mm. to die. And waits to die, yeah. Maybe she's great because she has such tall hair. That could be. she got that a real Marge Simpson great. thing going on in yeah. this one. <laughs> <laughs> Don't look at me. I'm just hair. <laughs> or, I mean, I'm sorry, ago. Dex. Dex oh, yeah, has Dex. Yes. <laughs> that dude who talked about being a hologram. He's a holo he's a hologram who's friends with Dex. Dex. <laughs> Judzia Dex. <laughs> um, so yeah, my good thing was the the relationship with the little girl. My bad thing, okay. The overall setup of this, and I've I've kind of come around on this a little bit, but the the general idea that this old lonely man has created a, a fake world to live in, it feels like I've seen this story on Star Trek a lot. Mm-hmm. Mm. Like that that feels like well worn territory. Although I, I noticed the second time watching that the moral was sort of uh, go ahead, live in your fantasy world. You don't have to come back and live in reality. You mm -hmm. just you just keep doing this. So Well he is going to die soon, so And and then what happens? <laughs> they keep living? Yeah, I think so. Yep. That's weird. Yep. Well, because well, I mean the, they already the, know their the granddaughters. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, the the whole point was that the granddaughter was sort of a unique creation of the thing. Mm-hmm. That she wasn't originally generated, that she sort of was, you know, created from pieces of her mother and father and, and that sort of thing, which was kind of mm -hmm. cool. Right. But, Although I would like to know what happens when he does die and they're like, well, we'll just toss him out of the village and he'll vanish. Right. And, and he he'll still be there. And then they'll be like... Ah. <laughs> There's this rotting skeleton. Yep. yep. Ah! <laughs> but nobody can get near it to, to take it away. Uh... <laughs> yeah. No, I, I don't know. Like like I say, it felt like a bit of a cliche, but I came around watching it the second time because it, it, it ends different. Like, you don't get yeah that lesson we got in the cage and in Generations and in several other episodes where it's like, we're not meant to live in, in you know, our paradise. perfect paradise. We're supposed to get out and suffer. Yeah. Fantasy bad. Yeah. They didn't they didn't hit that home in this one. So I, uh, I, I take it back. I The thing is, it's got those cliches, but it does them really well. And that's what this show does well is... Yeah. is when it's, you know, sort of firing on all cylinders, it takes our expectations and does something different with them. Mm. Mm. And I didn't realize that the first time, but yeah, I'm okay. So so I don't have a bad thing. That's fine. <laughs> the bad thing is... Um, Their hats. Uh, creepy Burial. No, I love those hats. 
Have we talked about the hats? Yeah, well, the well I mentioned in my box. summary that they look like uh, dumpy middle-aged chefs. But yeah, they uh, do. <laughs> yeah, they look like and dumpy the uh, chefs. and the women have uh, spikes. Yeah, they they have their hair sort of tied up in what... hair. Sp- yeah, they, I got a bit of a Flintstones vibe from it for some yeah. reason. Yeah, a little bit. Pebbles. It looked like they had like a rib cage tied in their hair, but like a cartoon <laughs> rib cage, like the like the bone in Pebbles' hair. Yes, kind of thing. But, but like uh, the live action Flintstones movie, Pebbles' hair. Right. But the little girl uh, like hugged her grandfather once and hugged her mama like when she came back and and like you feel like the, the thing must be stabbing into them. <laughs> yeah. While she's hugging like I love oh. you too but ow. Why? <laughs> Why was I programmed to feel pain? <laughs> <laughs> oh wait, I'm the real one. <laughs> uh, but that's pretty much all I had. What about you guys? I think so, yeah. Uh Decent yep. episode. Oh, I don't know. The... I kind of wish that like that they would come back at some point because like the protector, uh, their like security guy invites Odo back. You know, if you're ever in this side of the galaxy, yeah. And like Odo's like, ah, oh, I would like that. I would love and to then come they back. Never talk about it again. Nope. <laughs> well, there might there might be a book about it. Yes. Yeah. Oh, with that little goal. She grows up and joins Starfleet. Yep. That's but she can't leave the planet, so... Right. She carries her own little holo, holo projector around with her. A little lightsy, a... like uh, Rimmer. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> I don't see why not. Didn't didn't they basically let the Doctor on Voyager, like, wander around after a while? Yeah, they gave him, like, a little thing, too. Right. Huh. So that could, you know, that could be mm-hmm. a thing. I don't know, Maybe everyone's she could fall in love with the Doctor. Ooh, there you go. <sighs> that wouldn't be creepy. I mean, the emergency medical hologram. Right. Not the Doctor, because that's a different universe. I wanted to, um, there's a scene in this where, uh, where Kira gets, uh, Julian to, uh, spy on Quark for uh, Julian, her. The, Julian's only, like, five seconds of screen time between the two <laughs> yeah. episodes. And it's just like, really? Yeah, that's Julian? who you picked, huh? Like, why don't you just wrap him in sausages and throw him out to the wolves, for God's <laughs> sakes? Yeah, you you would you painted a great picture of him, like, reading a newspaper with holes cut in it, wearing a fake mustache. Yep. <laughs> Reporting back to Kira in, like, secret code. The doves fly at noon. What? Ah, hello, monsieur. Uh, what is word? Quark. Yes, I am simple French businessman here on legal business. I just picture Garrick, like, folding his arms, standing in the background. Doctor, what are you doing? Have I not so, taught you better? So I'll just get you your usual then. My usual? Uh, no, I've never I been would here be before. eating uh, French toast and <laughs> French fries. Oh, uh, ha, ha. Spicy crawdads. A spicy crawdads. <laughs> and then Cisco shows up with a plate of spicy crawdads. Yep. <laughs> well, now, uh, now Jake has to be a chef. That's his only other career, possible yep. career path. You can either do what I did or what your grandfather did. That's it. <laughs> You'll need one of those hats from the planet, though. Yeah, Odo, bring a hat back, would you? I can't, they're holograms. Yeah, they just disappear. (laughs) Holo hats. Oh, and they wore weird, like, wooden beads as well for some reason. Yep. Well, Uh, Mardi Gras was on the week they were visiting. Ah, of course. Well, they're they're, they're a hologram society. Like, it's always Mardi Gras. Mm -hmm. They think it's (laughs) once a week, but it's actually always. Yep. This guy could just make whatever he wants happen. Oh, uh, one one other quick thing. He did mention that the the reason that he had to create all this is because the Dominion like ruined his home. Yep. So we get another mm. sort of looming reference to this mysterious Dominion, which I think is cool. Mm-hmm. Loom. Like it's it's coming, but we don't know what it is yet. The Dominion. Watch out for those guys. Yep. Here come these with guys geese again. And magic songs. What? Loom. Ah, yes, of the, course. Ask me about Loom. Ask me about Loom. <laughs> More people know Ask Me About Loom than actually know about Loom is the thing. <laughs> Too bad. That was a fun game. Yeah. My name is Bob. The thing is, my mother. I would like to actually wear an Ask Me About Loom button, but then people would ask me about uh, Loom and yeah. I have no answers for them. Right. <laughs> I don't know. I'll play it at Ask Al. <laughs> Here's his phone number. Oh, God, again. Is this Radio Shack again? <laughs> that is the only place you can still buy Loom. <laughs> And the nine volt battery you need to play the cassette player to the, that plays the cassette <laughs> that came with Lou. Wow, I still have that cassette. I know you do. <laughs> Be 
because I keep everything. Because you don't throw anything out. <laughs> All right. Any anything else? Nope. Matt. Nope. Very well. Uh, as as I alluded to, our uh, volume two of our episode guide has been sent off to the printer. It will be Woo! ready for our appearance at Emerald City Comic Con, which is March twenty eighth, I believe. Yep, I think that's right. Yeah, last weekend of March. 30. Last yeah. weekend of March. So we will have the physical book ready for you to order from our website around then, and the electronic book to follow, and then sometime off after that, Bob's got to have some time to to develop it, but uh, will it will be returning in app form. Yes, later this year. Hopefully. Yes, so look forward to all that. All new material, not stuff you heard on the show, but new jokes. Uh, we've already given you one of the reviews for Eye of the Beholder, so uh, so there's a taste <laughs> for you. And that one's free. Yeah, that one's free. <laughs> the first hit's free, kid. But if if nothing else, buy it for the incredible cover art by uh, up-and-coming Marvel Comics artist Ramon Villalobos. Oh, man, that's yeah. so great. Congrats yeah. to that guy again, by the way. Yep. We, so uh, awesome. he's, he's going to be way too famous for us when we get to volume three. Yeah. His first, uh, <laughs> one of his first pages, actually, he just put up on Facebook. He did. And it's looking great. Oh, oh wow. Yeah. Yeah. Really good stuff. So look forward to that. Uh, as ever, you want to contact us, post at Gmail. Our website is, uh, post And with that, Matt, say your thing. See you, folks. The Post-Atomic Horror Podcast is a co-production of Ron Algar-Watt and Matt Robotham. Copyright 2014. Please don't sue us. We're just doing this for fun. <laughs>